My question for you today is, can Jesus be good and angry? Yes, I I said angry. Now, I know without a doubt that all of us believe that Jesus is good. I mean, we've read the gospel stories, and we know that Jesus was always loving and kind to those whom he encountered. Jesus welcomed the little children unto him. He fed the crowds of people who came as he taught them. He healed the sick and even cast out demons from those who were possessed and tormented. And he taught about the goodness of God's kingdom. And we all know that he willingly sacrificed his life for each and every one of us so that we might be saved and forgiven of our sins. Jesus is good. But Jesus was also a human being. And the church affirms that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, both human and God at the same time. It's a holy mystery. So if Jesus is human, like you and I, can he be angry and yet not sin in his anger? Our passage today from the Gospel of Mark finds Jesus acting out of character, so to speak, He has just entered into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, greeted by many who welcomed him there as king. And upon arrival, he goes directly to Jerusalem, to the temple, and enters into the temple courts, the outer area there, and he begins to take a good look around. But since it was late, he returned to Bethany with his disciples for the night. Now, the very next day, he leaves Bethany, and they make their way to the temple together. But on their way, Jesus was hungry. And in the distance, he saw a fig tree that had leaves but no figs. Now, the truth is, it wasn't the season for figs to grow. So Jesus shouldn't have been surprised that he, this tree would have no fruit. But nonetheless, in frustration, Jesus says, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Essentially, Jesus is angry and puts a curse on this fig tree. It's rather odd, isn't it? I mean, he could have prayed to God to to bless the tree with ripe figs to eat, much like he did at the feeding of the 5,000, but he doesn't do this. In anger, Jesus curses the tree to remain barren. And it's a strange act from Jesus, but it's one that I believe that foreshadows what happens next. So moving on from there, Jesus and the disciples, they make it to Jerusalem and they enter into the temple courts. And his anger with the tree was nothing compared to his anger there. Mark tells us this, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus is angry at what he sees taking place here at the temple You see, it was almost time to celebrate Passover, and many Jews and God-fearing Gentiles had come from all over the known world to gather there for the festival. And it was customary for every Jewish male to come and pay the temple tax. 
And so it was necessary that the money changers were there to assist with that. Now, it was forbidden to pay the temple tax with pagan currency. Many of them would have had Greek or Roman currency on hand, and so it would, be need to, it would need to be exchanged for the Tyrian currency that was accepted by them. And so they are there to do this. But in addition, a market has been set up to sell animals for the appropriate sacrifices necessary for worship. Now, all of these animals were without spot or blemish, which is what was required, and they could easily be purchased on site so that they didn't have to be brought from afar. Now, there was nothing out of the ordinary going on, much like the fig tree that wasn't generating fruit out of season. But something triggered Jesus to lash out in anger turning over the tables and driving out the buyers and the sellers and stopping people from even bringing the merchandise into the temple courts. Now, Mark and John are the only two Gospels that record this event. And in Mark's Gospel, this is the only time that Jesus goes to the temple in Jerusalem. It's his first and his last because it's at the end of his ministry. John's gospel changes that order, and it makes it his first time to Jerusalem, early within his ministry. Nonetheless, the meek and mild Jesus that we often think of takes on a new persona as he causes a scene that amazes those who witness his actions. But why does Jesus get angry at a tree? and at those who are at the temple. I mean, did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed, or was there a good reason for his anger? Many have argued different reasons for his anger. Some say that Jesus was upset at the merchants for exploiting those who came to pay the tax and to purchase their sacrifice. The temple courts was a monopoly in which the sellers could mark up the prices for their animals, taking advantage of those who came to worship there. It's kind of like going to an amusement park or maybe going to Carowinds in Charlotte and being told when you arrive that you can't bring anything to drink or eat inside the park. Now, obviously, if you're spending a day inside of the park, you're going to eat and drink, and so you're forced to buy whatever they're selling there. And when you go to pay for the food that you're about to purchase, you're going to pay two to three times the amount that you would be able to purchase it outside of the park. Others, however, seem to think that Jesus is angry because of the impurity of the temple's practices. The sellers have impeded the sacred space of the temple precincts, taking away from the spiritual practices of prayer and of worship. But this particular space was the outer courts of the temple and wouldn't have impeded worship for the righteous Jews. You see, the temple during Jesus' day was structured with a layer of boundaries for those who gathered there. The outermost portion where Jesus gathered and causes this scene is in the outer courts where anyone was permitted to come and to worship. Gentiles and even unclean Jews, those who were blind or lepers or the lame, they were able to gather there and to worship. But beyond this space, there was a gate called the Beautiful Gate that provided an entrance into the next area of the temple 
which is where the women, the Jewish women, were permitted to go and worship. From there was another entrance in which the Jewish men were able to go and to worship. And beyond this entrance was where the altar was placed, and only the priests were allowed to go there. And from there was the holy place that led into the holy of holies, which only the high priest was permitted to be. But the real issue here that I find that is at stake is boundaries. The Gentiles and the unclean Jews were not permitted to go beyond the beautiful gate to offer worship. In fact, there were no trespassing signs located all around the area, warning trespassers that ignoring, ignoring the signs that told them that they couldn't enter into the beautiful gate and into the inner temple, well, that was punishable by death. Even the Roman government upheld this law to the extent that even if a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen entered the temple, that it was lawful for the Jews to, be, to put them to death. Jesus is angry, and he quotes the prophets, both Isaiah and Jeremiah, saying, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Although it was permissible to sell animals for sacrifice and to exchange currency, it was also disruptive to those who were excluded from entering into the temple. It was a distraction for those who desired to worship God who weren't allowed to enter into the inner temple. You see, it's hard to worship and pray when there's a flea market going on in your worship space. And so Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 56, which talks about a day when the temple will be restored. Isaiah proclaims the word of the Lord saying, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The word in Scripture for nations is in reference to the Gentiles. And the fact that Isaiah mentions a eunuch is important because the eunuch represents those who were considered to be unclean. The only way a person could become clean again was to be seen by the priest and declared clean by him. You see, most people argue that Jesus was angry because of the exploitation of those who were purchasing sacrifices there. I'm not saying that that didn't happen. It's quite possible that that was going on. I mean, the chief priests had everything to gain from a corrupt economic monopoly. But I believe Jesus' intentional words from the prophets provide other reasons for his anger here. He was upset that those who desired to worship God were excluded from doing so. You know, Jesus' ministry centered itself on including the outcasts, the unclean, the tax collectors and sinners, and even some Gentiles like the Roman centurion whose servant was paralyzed, the Canaanite woman whose daughter was demon-possessed, and even a Samaritan woman who met him at a well. Jesus didn't beat down the beautiful gate to let them in. 
Instead, he turned over the circus show that disrupted their worship in the space designated for them. In addition, Jesus quotes Jeremiah saying, but you have made it a den of robbers. It appears that Jesus is speaking about the exploitation of the worshipers here, but that's not Jeremiah's context. Jeremiah's message is that God's people have not been living righteously. They have rejected God by living in ways that oppose his righteousness. God tells them in Jeremiah 7, verses 9 through 11, Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name, and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. You see, this infers that they, that they are seeking the temple as a place of refuge, a den for all of the criminal activity that they've been doing beyond it. They come to the temple to offer worship that's a sham which is why Jesus drives out both the buyers and the sellers. And so the irony here is that those who don't have access to the inner temple are prevented from worshiping rightly, while those who do have access are not offering true worship at all. Just like the fruitless fig tree, the temple is full of barren spirituality. And Jesus' curse on the fig tree is a sign of God's judgment on the temple and its eventual destruction. His judgment against Israel and the corruption of the temple is warranted because he is holy and good. And they have rejected God's ways. But his anger is not intended as a violent act against the people of Israel, but to provoke them to wake up and to do what God has shown them. The prophet Micah reminds us in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. No, Jesus didn't enact violence against the people. In fact, he took their violence upon himself on the cross. And while he provoked those at the temple to do what was right, the chief priests and the teachers of the law refused to listen to him, and actually they sought to kill him. But Jesus knew this would come, for this is why he came. And in his death, the veil that separated the most holy place, the holy of holies, was torn into signaling that worship was, wasn't confined to the temple anymore. Jesus fulfills Isaiah's prophecy that all are welcome, Jews and Gentiles, and even those who are unclean. In essence, Jesus becomes the beautiful gate in which all are invited to enter in. So what on earth does this passage of Scripture mean for us as the church? 
You see, just as Jesus was watching the temple and those who were gathered there, he continues to watch his people even today in the church. Truth be told, there are things that make him angry now. Jesus is loving and good, but he is also righteous, and he expects his people to seek his righteousness and to live it out. You see, he's not interested in marketing religion without practicing it. I mean, it's of no use to wear crosses around our necks or to quote Bible verses on our social media accounts and then live in ways that are in opposition to what we say we believe. Even though Jesus has broken every barrier and boundary that separates us from God, there are some who profess Jesus as Lord who still put boundaries around those who are welcome in the church. Refusing to welcome anyone into Christ's church, whether they are foreigners or seen as unclean or have a different skin color or sexual orientation or economic situation or even social struggles, is not of God. Hearing God's word to practice justice and mercy and then doing nothing about it is not of God. The truth is there are injustices all around us and it's easy for us to acknowledge them and even say a prayer for God to fix it while doing nothing about it ourselves. He requires us to act justly and to love mercy. That requires a response. Find it's easy to judge the chief priests and the teachers of the law for their refusal to follow God, but even the church can outwardly promote spirituality, but be a barren and fruitless tree on the inside. This is what makes Jesus angry because he's called us into his life and he has shown us firsthand how to live and how to love one another. He doesn't want us to live in opposition to his ways and then retreat into the church saying, we're safe, we're safe. For that's treating God's grace as cheap and not living in gratitude for his goodness towards us. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Jesus doesn't want the church to be a den of robbers, but a house of prayer for all nations. He doesn't want us to be a barren fig tree, Instead, he tells us in John's gospel, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So yes, Jesus can be good and angry But his anger is meant to lead us back to him and to correct us, much like a parent correcting their child from wrongdoing. And the good news of the gospel is that his anger lasts only a moment, but that his favor lasts for a lifetime. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to model Christ's goodness and righteous anger in the world 
we should be angry at the injustices that break God's heart. And like Jesus, let our anger lead us to work in ways that speak out against what's wrong and work towards making it right, not in hatred or in retaliation or even in violence, but in love. So friends, my prayer for all of us is that we might be a church who welcomes everyone to worship freely and who offers our true and proper worship to God as living sacrifices who act justly, who love mercy, and who always walk humbly with our God. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.